When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Commitment to making sure that we're providing a good product for you. And today I want to make sure that I am spending the entirety of the show. We're going to run as long as humanly necessary. If that's 30 minutes, so be it. If that's 45 minutes, so be it. We will run as long as necessary to get as many Q&A sessions done as many pieces of the mailbag done. We're clearing out the mailbag. We are digging down deep and clearing out the bottom. The things that have been stuck in my email and I've been trying to figure out a way to make them work since July, we're going to pull them out. So thank you for being here. I am going to try to get to as many questions and takes in the comments as humanly possible tonight. Reminder, YouTube Super Chats get priority. So just go ahead, just light it up. I'm going to go through as many as we possibly can. I have zero topics tonight. It's just about you. This whole thing is about you. Why do I have zero topics? Well, because I didn't sign up to do this as a replacement for Spence until midday today, and I was at work late. I just got home a little while ago and had basically no time to go through an actual outline for an entire show. So... I always have something in my back pocket in the event something like this comes up. And thankfully, today, I have it. EB starts us off in the comments. Question. McDermott kept from as the COVID quarterback last season. It's not being talked about a bunch. Just curious your take. So I'm really glad that the members of the Buffalo Bills media, who are stupendous, by the way. Let's make sure we just talk about this. So I've lived all over the country. I lived in numerous different media markets. The Bills media members are better. They just are. I understand you might not think so because you might not have the perspective of being able to listen to a lot of other media members, but just go with me on this. Trust me as somebody who has been in a lot of different media markets, the Buffalo Bills beat people are just better than everybody else. They just are. So I'm fortunate that someone actually asked him that question. He said he did not anticipate doing it again. 
which means if Fromm's going to make this team as a third quarterback, it's going to be on merit and not due to the COVID quarterback. Now, obviously, Sean McDermott could also change his mind. People have been known to do that. So that's definitely a possibility. So that's the COVID quarterback status update as of right now. Mookie Hawkins is here in the comments with me. Brian Bowers is here in the comments with me. Richard Rush is here in the comments with me. Banks face 21 on Twitter says, is the running game good enough to make a run at a Super Bowl? Pun intended, Banks. I, I think so, because that's my only roster concern. Okay. The running game good enough to make a run at a Super Bowl? Yes, because it doesn't have to be that good. I don't think having a dominant running game is really a necessity in today's NFL to be able to make a run at a Super Bowl. So given the fact that the threshold that is necessary the level of competency necessary to have in a running game is reasonable. It just needs to be okay. Can the Bills offense have an okay running game? Sure. I don't think the Bills running game was what held them back from a Super Bowl last year. So the Bills running game very easily could have been good enough to win a Super Bowl last year because the Bills could have won a Super Bowl last year. So for me, that's what I'm going with. Yes. I think it's good enough to make a run of Super Bowl because I think it was probably good enough to make a run of Super Bowl last year, and it's probably going to be better this year. Mookie Hawkins says, Josh Allen was not a top 100 player last year per Colin Cowherd. Your thoughts? So I don't think, and I've said this before, I don't think that 2019 Josh Allen was a top 100 player in the league. So I actually am not, I'm not really all that anti that take from Colin Coward. Now, I do think that he went a little bit overboard with it. Well, Josh Allen's not even a top 200 player. Okay, well, now we're getting a little bit funny because there's only 32 starting quarterbacks in the league. And Josh Allen was a eh player in 2019. I was okay with Josh Allen. I don't think that his rookie year was anything to write home about by any means. But his second year was a little bit of a step up. And then in 2020 was a catastrophic, a cataclysmic, step up. So for me, I don't have a problem with people not thinking Josh Allen was a top 100 player in 2019. The problem that I had with Colin Cowherd's take in general was as per usual, there was a heavy dose of hyperbole on top. Just absolutely incredulous that Josh Allen could be named a top 100 player. No, I don't think Josh, Josh Allen was a top 100 player in 2019, but I'm not going to throw my hands up in the air, pull my hair out, and go off starting, you know, throwing a fit and kicking things because somebody else seemed to think so. So for me, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm not necessarily down on the idea of Josh Allen not being a top 100 player in 2019. However, the terminology was a little extreme for me. Justin Klaus, what is your exact location right now? Nice try, FBI. Jay Spence, the king, the man, the myth, the legend. He's in the comments section talking to me on his show right now. Says, Bruce, is the performance by the defensive line only due to it being preseason and how much will translate to the regular season? So I do think that line play is actually something that is fairly translatable. And I'll tell you why. A lot of it, a lot of it is just one-on-one matchups. Now there are scheming, there's stunts. There's games you can play up front that will help manufacture pressure. 
But a lot of what you see in the preseason that you can actually put weight on is one-on-one matchups, right? Man coverage, one-on-one. One-on-one on the offensive line. One-on-one on the defensive line. Those are the types of things that you can actually put stock into because those are the types of things that aren't affected by play calling. I was, well, there's no, there's no game planning in the preseason. That's right. But you still have to beat the man in front of you. And if you're beating the man in front of you in the preseason game, then that's a good thing. So what I'm seeing from the defensive line isn't just the production. It's the method by which they are obtaining the production. So if you were seeing a lot of things from the defense that were related around scheming and blitzing, and they were bringing all sorts of exotic looks, then okay, maybe it doesn't translate to the regular season because maybe one of those teams is really scheming hard and the other one's not. But the reason why I think there's optimism that you might be able to carry this stuff together and bring it with you into the regular season is the method by which it's happening, which is one-on-one matchups. Mookie says Rick Dennison was his offensive coordinator and David Lee was his quarterback coach. I agree with you, Mookie. That was, I think I would make an argument that one of the most significant failures that this regime has had was surrounding Josh Allen early on with the right weapons and coaching. That's that's what I think was important. Now, it's important to note that Rick Dennison wasn't Josh Allen's offensive coordinator. Rick Dennison left, and then Brian Dable was Josh Allen's offensive coordinator during his first year. So that's that's important. But having uh, having a quarterback coach who had never coached quarterbacks before, who of course now is the head coach of the Houston Texans and David Culley, that's significant. So I think that when you look about Brandon Bean's status and you think, okay, how well has he done as a GM? I think the biggest failure, and I think he would agree his biggest failure, is not surrounding Josh Allen with appropriate quarterbacks his first time around and not appropriate weapons, and not appropriate offensive linemen. There was a viral tweet that was going around with the 2018 Buffalo Bills offensive roster, and it just makes you cringe. It makes your skin crawl. Like, oh my gosh. The fact that Josh Allen survived that, Josh Allen succeeded despite the early help he got. Not because of the early help he got. And mind you, Brian Dable's offense is not a kitty offense. This is not a shallow end of the pool kind of offense. This is a throw you in the deep water offense. Ask anyone who's been the, through the Patriots system, and they'll tell you that the quarterback has a lot of responsibility in this particular system. It's very, very different. And so for me, when I look at Josh Allen early on, I think to myself, okay, I think that. He wasn't very good early on in his career, but there's plenty of reasons why he wasn't very good. There's a reason for trending optimism. And that was what I always argued. Even when I didn't think Josh Allen was playing particularly well, I said, it's not about the data point. It's about the trend. It's not about the data point. It's about the line. Yes, I understand he's not great, but look at his college tape. Look how far he's come since then. I understand he's not great, but look at what he had to deal with. I'm not saying it's an excuse. I'm saying it's a reason. Excuse would mean we completely remove 
all responsibility from Josh Allen because of the environment around him. And that's not fair. That's not what you do. My favorite part is the same people who think wins are a quarterback stat are the same people who are willing to completely absolve Josh Allen of all responsibility for 2018 and 2019 flaws. Well, you can't have it both ways. However, look at Wyoming, Josh. Go back and look. Wyoming, Josh, was markedly different than second-year Josh, which was markedly different than third-year Josh. It's not about the line. It's about the trend. We get so caught up in data points that we ignore data trends. And that's not good data analysis in general. We call that tunnel vision. You are listening to the Code of Conduct. Your normal host, Jay Spence the King, was unavailable this evening. So you are listening to instead the the Bruce of Conduct, the Code of Bruce, I don't know, whatever you want to say. The Bruce of Conduct. I don't know what, I don't really know what works, but you know what? We're making it happen and we're doing a mailbag episode. Anthony Marino is here with me in the comments. The man, the myth, the legend himself, Anthony Marino. Thanks for being here, dude. I appreciate it. Liam Johnson says, how concerning is the interior offensive line average to subpar performance? Okay. So I actually think the interior offensive line has been a little bit better this particular preseason. I think Cody Ford has been better this preseason than I've previously seen him. I think one of the things that I noted with Cody Ford is although he's not particularly fleet of foot, I think he's doing a really good job of framing contact on the move. When he is pulling around, sometimes you get lighter, faster defenders coming downhill and the lack of agility from an offensive guard to frame him up and make contact means that guy blows right by you and makes a play on a running back, which is just embarrassing. You see it on screen passes sometimes too. They just can't frame up the contact and actually make contact and drive through. You can't get your shoulders square. You're all frazzled. You're trying to swivel. It's not quite there. So I actually think the interior offensive line has been better this particular this particular preseason. I was loving the pin and pull out of the shotgun. Saw some pin and pull runs out of the shotgun. Loved what I was seeing. Was a big, big fan. Steve says, with Dable and Allen being together four years, what do you think the Bills, what do you think about the Bills developing a new no huddle and unveiling it in the playoffs or Super Bowl? I think the no huddle is part of everybody's situation and it's about speeding up and slowing down as appropriate. It's not always beneficial to your team to do the no huddle. It's about being able to understand that throttle is a a gradient, not a binary. I don't know if any of you have ever played a racing game on a video game platform, but there are some controllers out there that have analog triggers. And what that means is that the more you press on the accelerator, usually it's a, it's a bumper. The more you press that accelerator, the faster it goes. It's not just on or off. It's a gradient based on the speed you want to go. So you can actually put your finger partially down and you'll get half acceleration. And all that stuff is great. But then when you go and you play a racing game with analog triggers, I'm sorry, not analog triggers, they have digital triggers. 
Now it's either on or off. On or off. Like Mario Kart, right? You press it and you're going full blast. You take it off, you're no acceleration at all. No huddle is an analog trigger, not a digital trigger. You want to speed up, slow down. Speed up, slow down. You want to go as fast as necessary, but not too fast. Sometimes you'll go hybrid. You'll go like a muddle huddle. Sometimes you'll get out of the huddle. You'll break it really quick, and you'll be at the line for a long time. You'll be the line of scrimmage for 15 seconds. We saw a lot of that during the Bills-Dallas Thanksgiving Day game, if you all remember that. One of the hallmarks to that particular game was how quickly Josh Allen got out of the huddle and up to the line. Do y'all remember the narrative that it was just Dable and Dable was just directing Josh Allen the way that Sean McVay directs Jared Goff, giving him all the answers to the test ahead of time? You remember that narrative? The reason why that narrative even existed to begin with is because Josh Allen was getting out of the huddle so fast and spending time at the line. That way he could speed up or slow down as necessary. So I think it's a part of every single offense. It's just a matter of how fast and how slow you want to go. I don't think it's something you would just bust out as a surprise in the playoffs or Super Bowl, mostly because you would want to make sure that you're working on it. And practices during the regular season are not the same as practices in the offseason. You don't get a lot of installation time in the regular season. So for me, for me, I think I would doubt it mostly because it's just not something you've seen before. So we are going to go to Justin Klaus, who says, should we temper our expectations on Rousseau or is the hype real? Well, that depends. Hit me in the comments. I'm going to tell you whether or not you should temper your expectations by what your expectations are. See, I don't know whether or not your expectations should be tempered because I don't know what they are. So put in the comments, go ahead and hit me up now. Tell me what your expectations are for Gregory Rousseau. And then I will tell you based on that, whether or not you should temper them. Hit me in the comments with your expectations for Gregory Rousseau. And then I will answer Justin's question as to whether or not you should temper them or not. While you are doing that, while you are putting your expectations for Gregory Rousseau in the comments, I am going to go to the mailbag. And Chris sent me an email and said, Bruce, tongue firmly planted in cheek. In this binary when, where, what is the only interrogative and correlation equals causation. I submit that the most important bill who needs to be on the 53-man roster to ensure a Super Bowl victory is LaShawn McCoy. Looking forward to the show. Thanks again for the great content. Kind regards, Chris. Yes, the Bills need to sign LaShawn McCoy. He has been on the last two Super Bowl winning teams. So, I mean, go for three, right? Makes sense. I think that's, you know, if I'm not a superstitious guy, but if I was, I would be responding emotionally to this take, unquestionably. Okay, so we have some expectations for Gregory Rousseau in the chat. Liam says seven and a half sacks. Justin Claus says eight sacks and starting by the middle of the year. Joe Miller says 35% of the snaps, an above average pass rush win rate, and five sacks. EB says 40% of the snaps, eight sacks. Okay, so first off, I'd say that your expectations are fairly reasonable now. I will say 
that the defensive rookie of the year last year was Chase Young, who was dominant from the word go and was one of the more technically refined rushers to come out in recent memory, who played under one of the best defensive line coaches in all of college football at Ohio State University, had seven sacks last year. So I think that's important to note. Defensive rookie of the year, hands down, not even really much of a question, was dominant from the word go, technically refined coming in, seven sacks. So for me, my expectations for Gregory Rousseau are reasonable. I think if I can get five sacks out of Gregory Rousseau as a rookie and he can continue to develop, I'm good with that. Anything more than that, I will accept as gravy. And I love me some gravy. I am a big turkey guy. We have been having this discussion multiple times, but I am all the way out on a huge portion of Thanksgiving food. I don't like a large portion of Thanksgiving food, but I love me some turkey. Give me some gravy, slather with some turkey. I'm good with it. I am completely good with it. Moving along. Liam says, would trading from to Atlanta for a late round pick be a good compensation for a likely? Absolutely. I didn't even finish it. I didn't even finish the actual question. Anything you can get for from, I'm down. I was not high on the from pick when it was made. I'm still not high on it. At no point have I been high on it. So if you can get a seventh back for a fifth round pick, I understand it's an ROI loss. I get it. I'm cool with it. I'm completely cool with it. Daniel says, gravy slathered with turkey. That's exactly right. Gravy slathered with turkey. Slash some mashed potatoes on there. Here's, here's a statement for you. There's a lot of different types of potatoes I prefer over mashed potatoes. I like fried potatoes, scalloped potatoes, baked potatoes. I like all of those more than mashed potatoes. I like mashed potatoes. They're fine. But... They're not my most favorite type of potato. So when Thanksgiving comes around, I have some turkey, I have some mashed potatoes, I have some bread, some corn casserole, and I'm like, eh, I get it. Dirty Bird, talking about Rousseau, I don't think he has a huge impact himself, but we'll free up others to have success. Spread the wealth on the defensive line, ladies and gentlemen. Spread the wealth. What one person does affects other people on the defensive line. It has been the case. It has always been the case. One of the things I thought was interesting that became a narrative a little bit last year, mostly due to a conversation that Daniel Jeremiah had with an offensive line coach. And he said, one of the things that I think is interesting is that people don't really care so much how good your best player is on your offensive line. They care how good your worst player is. Offensive line is about weak links. Because no matter where your weak link is, the defense can take a really good player and isolate them against you. If you have a weak link on the offensive line, that's bad. We care far more about your weakest link, goodbye, than we do about your strongest link. And on the defensive line, it carries a little bit of that too. If you have four good, solid players, I'd probably rather have that than one dominant player. Because if I have one dominant player, I can adjust for him. I can compensate for him. 
I'd rather have four good, solid players. And apparently Sean McDermott would as well. Because if you look at Sean McDermott's success with defenses, they've been from sending waves and waves of good rushers at you. Look at Sean McDermott's defenses in Philadelphia. Look at them again in Carolina. There isn't this one singular dominant talent. That's not how it works. It's waves and waves of good players. Marcel Louis-Jacques was on Food for Thought, the show that I do with Nate Geary on Friday nights just recently, and was mentioning exactly that. Richard Rush, Bruce, you have to put a little sour cream in when mashing the potatoes. I do. I don't. My wife makes the mashed potatoes in this household. She puts a little sour cream in there. She's put a little cream cheese in there before. I like that too. It's just a texture thing. I admire variance in my textures of food. If it's just completely homogenous as far as texture goes, it's just it's just okay for me. It's one of the reasons why I prefer fried potatoes. Liam Johnson says, yams are sweet potatoes. Eh, I'm fine. I mean, they're, they're okay. I'm good with them. I can deal with them. Joe Miller, I am excited to see Pash Rushers win from the middle again. It's been a minute and will give opposing offensive coordinators sleeping issues. Exactly what we mentioned. If your team has a weakness at guard, I would very much like to be able to have a player we can isolate on them. I think that's really impressive. I do. Having people who can reduce down inside is impressive. I think the amount of people the Bills have who can do it is impressive. One of the things I thought was interesting coming into this preseason was who are the Bills going to use inside? Because take your pick. Epinesa, sure. Rousseau, sure. Basham, sure. Obata, sure. All of them can reduce down inside if they want to. So with that many options, how many different people are you going to choose to do it? It looks like early on, the answer is Obata and Basham are going to be the two that kick inside the most. Kristen Kimmick in the comment section says you should throw some bison dip in your mashed potatoes instead of sour cream. Okay, now I'll level with you. I have not done that. I'm kind of thinking I might need to. And I I can't stop thinking. How long have I been out? Have I been drifting away for like five minutes now? I've been thinking about dip in my mashed potatoes. I don't know. Jay Spence the King says, what are your thoughts on the special team performance? Did Isaiah McKenzie win, or is there still a battle for punt return, kick return? What Heath Farwell said was that Isaiah McKenzie was in the driver's seat. I don't see a reason why he wouldn't be in the driver's seat now, aside from one muff. But if you read the camp reports, Marcus Stevenson was not really sure-handed fielding punts in practice. So if he wasn't sure-handed fielding punts in practice, and Isaiah McKenzie muffed one punt in a preseason game, those two things have a tendency to kind of cancel each other out, which means Isaiah McKenzie is still in the driver's seat, in my opinion, when it comes to the punt return, kick return battle. I'm not saying there's not a battle. I'm saying we're getting close to the end of the battle with Isaiah McKenzie right now being wire to wire as the leader. So I think that matters. We're going back to the mailbag. Pat sent me an email and said, Bruce, I have a non-football hot take for you. I have never seen the movie Bruce Almighty, and thanks to you, I probably never will. To me, 
The charm and charisma of Jim Carrey would do nothing but detract from the Bruce Nolan character that has been delivering hot takes on the bills and food and dogs into my ear holes for the last three years. The whole time watching it, I would tell myself, nope, that's not my Bruce. Thanks for being one of the most consistent voices and voices of reason in the Bills podcast creation community. Give my best to the misses and the dogs. Pat, Pat, thanks so much, man. I really appreciate it. It's funny. You know, I really am nothing like that character at all. Nothing. It was simply a funny little thing on the Buffalo Bills message boards that I carried over with me to Twitter like a decade ago. And then, of course, when I started this podcast, it was I already had the Twitter handle. I had like 70 followers, but I don't even entirely sure how I accumulated that, to be honest. Oh, Jay Spence, the king. Jay Spence, extend Andre Roberts. Why are you breaking me? Why are you breaking my heart, Jay Spence? Don't be doing that to me, man. Don't be breaking my heart. Liam says, have you ever been skydiving? Would recommend. Do I strike you as a skydiver, ladies and gentlemen? If I okay, Go ahead and tell me in the comments. If you think I'm somebody who has skydived before, go ahead and tell me in the comments. If you think so, I'll level with you. Just fair spoiler right here. I don't think you know me at all. If you think I would ever go skydiving. Not, not much of a skydiver, no. Evan sent me an email and said, okay, so with Emmanuel Sanders saying Josh Allen threw a pass he's never witnessed before in 12 years of the NFL with multiple elite QBs, I realize that much like Joe Marino's 2020 season, statistical predictions, my almighty take predicting that Josh would break the single season, single game passing and touchdown records is too conservative. We are going to up the ante to 11. The 2021 Buffalo Bills will have the single greatest offensive season in NFL history. Josh will break every QB single season record, win the NFL MVP and Super Bowl MVP. Commenters will say the Bills wide receiver room is the greatest ever assembled. Dawson Knox will join Kelsey and Kittle as elite tight ends and Singletary and Moss will combine for 2000 all purpose yards. Brian Dable is hired in Jacksonville in 2022 after Urban Meyer leaves for health reasons following a shutout loss versus Buffalo in 2021. The defense will regain form led by in-shape Starla Tule, a mythical athlete on par with motivated BJ Penn, C-level Kane, and Chuck with that look in his eyes. Nice, some nice UFC references there. Boogie Basham and Gregory Russo will win co-rookie of the year awards, and the 2021 Buffalo Bills defense will get Leslie Frazier a second shot at a head coaching gig in 2022. The defense will have the greatest statistical season in 20 years. As far as special teams go, Tyler Bass will have the greatest season by a kicker in the history of football. Isaiah McKenzie will break the special teams touchdown record and Reed Ferguson will show why he's the best long snapper in the NFL. The Buffalo Bills will have the best statistical postseason run in NFL history, winning each playoff game by an average of 25 points, accumulating in a 51-3 win in the Super Bowl versus Tampa Bay. Josh Allen signs a 12-year, $650 million extension following this greatest season ever. Okay, that's a heck of a take, Evan. And his, his email to me specifically said, ludicrous speed, almighty take. That is absolutely a ludicrous speed, almighty take. It is insane. Joe, I remember you. I remember Joe Miller from the Buffalo Bills message boards. He was direct FX on the Buffalo Bills message boards. I remember him. 
I have no idea if any of you remember me, but I didn't post a lot. I monitored a lot. I did, you know, I think, I think a mock draft every year. I did some long form kind of stuff. I wasn't super duper. I got in some argument with some Tebow stands for a while. I was all the way out on Tim Tebow and there were a lot of people who were all the way in on Tim Tebow. It was, it was not great. It was not great, Bob. I'm not going to lie. Ladies and gentlemen, we did it. We did the thing. We did all of the things that I wanted to get done today. We took some comments. We took some cues. We gave some A's. We did it. And I want to let you out of here early tonight because I need to spend some quality time with my wife because I worked really late today. I got stuff to do. But before we go, I got one more question that popped in from Richard Trush. And because it's from Richard, I have to answer it. Bruce, do you think Stevenson has done enough for the Bills to keep seven wide receivers or stay with six? I hope so, Richard. I really do. I really hope that if you're an 11 and a 10 base personnel offense, that you keep seven receivers. But one of the other things that we have to take into consideration is that there's another area that we want the Bills to go heavy at. It's defensive line. And if you made me pick one, I'd rather go heavy at defensive line than wide receiver. But I'm going to do a 53-man roster projection. I think there's a way we can do both. I think there's a way we can keep seven wide receivers and 11 defensive linemen. So stick with me. You'll see it. I hope so. I think they should keep seven wide receivers. But if they don't, then you know what? They just didn't, they just didn't pull it off. And you probably thought right then, I was going to say that's the way the cookie crumbles, but I'm not. Instead, I'm going to say this. Love each other, take care of each other, and live in peace. Stay positive, and as always, test negative. Code of conduct.